you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. My life had been just a series of pivots. Like I said, join the military, 9-11 happened. Okay, you got to pivot. What are you going to do? get out of the military, decided to go to design school during the height of the recession. And it was like, girl, what the heck are you going to do with design? Like people can't even keep the roofs over their heads. People are losing their homes. Like no one can afford a designer. So then it was like, okay, pivot. (laughs) What are you going to do, right? Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. Today on the show, we have Shavonda Gardner. Shavonda is an interior designer and founder of SG Gardner, a design and lifestyle blog. I first discovered Shavonda on Instagram, where she shares her journey of living in and renovating her home, otherwise known as the Cottage Bungalow. She shares design tips and tricks for living large in smaller spaces. And she is not afraid of using color. Bold color. I'm talking paint your entire living room, including the ceiling, a dark color type of bold. What really drew me to Shavonda was seeing her dedication to representation. As a black woman, a gay woman, a mother, a wife, she sees the importance of diversity within the home and design space. In this conversation, we talk about this. We also talk about how she pivoted from being in the military into a career in interior design, how she feels inspired to help people have a different relationship with space. And, of course, we talk about her gorgeous kitchen, which if you follow her on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. She has a really sweet story about the person who inspired her kitchen design. There's a lot of heart in this conversation. So let's welcome our guest, Shavonda Gardner. Hi, Shavonda. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I want to get started right away by telling you what I love about your style and your design ideas, okay? Mm -hmm. So I love that through your blog, SG Style and Instagram, you showcase 
how to make the most of smaller spaces that you're doing in your current home called the cottage bungalow. What I love, though, what I find so fascinating is that you have your Great Dane at home with you. One of the (laughs) largest dogs living in your smaller space. So, (laughs) and she's so cute. Her name is Callie? Yes, her name is Callie. What came first, Callie or the cottage bungalow? They kind of came simultaneously, to be honest. Did you think about having one of the largest dogs as you were moving into a smaller space? No, not really. I think there's this really big misconception when it comes to Great Danes. People think that they need a property with acreage and a really, really large space. Yes, they are big dogs, but they are not as energetic and really don't require as much space as people think. Oh, okay. So let's talk about how your journey unfolded into becoming an interior designer. You have a background in military. Is that correct? Your family was in the military and you were in the military. Yes. How did you pivot into becoming an interior designer? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. So yeah, my parents were in the army. 20 years, I grew up a military brat, moved around a lot. The seed of me loving design started as a young child because we moved around a lot and because we really had to establish home very quickly wherever we were. Oftentimes the places we lived were, you know, quite temporary or they were like military housing. Really it was wherever the military sent us. You know, when I graduated high school, I then went into the Air Force. And so I really just continued that life of the military, but this time as the veteran or as a military member, and again, moved around a lot. And really just having this appreciation for how different people live. I spent some time in Europe. I lived in Germany for several years as a child. That was the most impactful experience of my life. It's still my most favorite and the thing that really imprinted on me the most because I got to see like culturally how different people live. And even as a young child, like not really understanding anything about like design or interiors or space, there was a very vast difference between the houses we lived in when we were here in America and where we lived when we were in Germany. Can you talk about some of the differences? Sure. So first of all, from my perspective, this idea of more, bigger space is very American. And where we lived in Germany, things were smaller. Spaces were smaller. Even just the way like plumbing was set up differently, like hot water wasn't on the tap. We would have to like boil hot water and put it in the washing machine to get hot water. We'd have to like boil hot water for the tub or there was like a little wood-burning oven attached to the bathroom that you'd have to heat it in order to activate the hot water. So even things like those systems were very uniquely different. Also architecture, everywhere you went, there were castles and there were like these beautiful architecture from just centuries of European existence, (laughs) you know? So that was very different for me as well. And I recognized all of that. Also, people shared spaces there, like children shared bedrooms and not saying that that's not how it was here, but it was just different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of those things I remember, you know, I thought to myself like, wow, this is so different than America, but I really think it's 
beautiful and I love it. So that was at an early age that you were already noticing those differences? Yeah. And so you went on into the military. Mm-hmm. Was interior design still part of something that you thought about or was it an interest? It was a hobby? It was more of a hobby. Again, it just really came from this desire to try to make a space my own when it wasn't. I remember when I first got out of basic training and I got to my first duty station, which was in North Dakota, going there and going straight into a military dorm as a young airman and just being put into this room with like white cinder block walls and a military issue twin size bed and just a very basic, kind of basically what you would see in a college dorm room, but in more of like this very utilitarian military installation. And I remember being there like, the only way I'm going to be able to survive through this is if I create something beautiful out of this space. So I went and I bought Christmas string lights and hung them up around the room. And I got the little comforter bed in a bag situation. And I was like, okay, I'm going to bring some color and pattern on my bed. I added rugs and, you know, I went and got like a little kitchen cart thing and kind of like set up my little microwave and like kitchen area. And I brought in pillows and put art on the walls. And it was very comforting for me to like create this space that felt like me because when I was outside of my little dorm, I was in the same uniform as everyone else, doing the same job as everyone else, walking the same way as everyone else. The military, you're meant to be part of a whole. You're not meant to be an individual. You can get kind of lost in that, kind of lose your own unique identity. So for me, design, creating this haven, creating this space was really important because it helped me to remember, yes, I am part of a bigger system but I'm also still uniquely myself. And I want to make sure that I remember that. And I remember having friends come over and they were like, oh my gosh, your room is so cool. How did you think to do this? And where did you learn to do this? And have you ever thought about design? And I was like, not really, you know, cause it just wasn't anything that I really was like, oh, you could do this for a living. Remember, I come from military parents, military grandparents. There was no one in my life that was like a creative or was a designer or was an artist. So that wasn't something that I was exposed to ever. It sounds like from that experience and maybe even earlier experiences, you were seeing how our homes are expressions of our identities. Yes. And it seems like this has come out even more in the pandemic. It seems like something that you were exploring during your time in the military and in the storm that you just were talking about, Yeah, that you were expressing your identity through design. Did you put it in that kind of context back at that time that you were expressing your identity? You know, I didn't have the words or even an understanding of what it was. I just knew that I wanted to create something that felt warm and felt, you know, like me. I just wanted something that wasn't the same as everyone else's. And really a space that felt like a place where I would want to have friends come over and hang out. And that was how it was even when I went into like military housing. Again, it was just really trying to take this space that we were given and saying, okay, you're going to be here for the next two years. This is where you're going to live. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, well, what can I do with this to make it special in a place where I want to be while I'm here? That's so cool. And so once you got out of the military, is that when you 
thought to yourself interior design was something that you wanted to focus on? Yes. It really came because, you know, when I joined the military, I was 18 years old. I planned to retire. I was going to be like my mom and my dad and grandparents and everybody else in my family who are in the military. I just was very much like, I'm going to be a lifer, as we call it. I'm going to go in, do my 20 years, retire. But when I joined the military in my first year of service, 9-11 happened. And everything that I had imagined for my life and my service changed instantly. The military changed and everything changed. And so I really had to do some soul searching and really digging. Like at the time when my enlistment was coming to an end, my daughter was three and you know, I just really had to make a decision. Like, do I want to continue with my military service and like all of these unknowns and the deployments and all of that while my daughter was so young? Or do I want to get out and try to create a life outside of the military? And so that's what I did. Right. But that was a very difficult transition for me because I never planned to be anything but a service member. So I really was, okay, what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) No idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea where I'm going to live. I don't know anything. I love design and I had the opportunity to go to school. You know, the military paid for my education. So I was like, sure, I'll go to school for interior design. That's how it happened. That's so cool. And you started with a design blog. Yes. And I believe that I read that one of the reasons why you started this blog mm-hmm. is because you were looking around in the design world yeah. and you were not seeing representation of yourself. Right. So had Instagram started at the time that you did the blog? It may have, but it was very early days. Like I started my blog January of 2012. Mm, Okay. And that came really haphazardly, if you will. My life had been just a series of pivots. Like I said, join the military, 9-11 happened. Okay, you got to pivot. What are you going to do? Get out of the military, decide to go to design school during the height of the recession. Right? We're talking like 2007, 2008. And it was like, girl, what the heck are you going to do with (laughs) with design? Like people can't even keep the roofs over their heads. People are losing Uh. their homes. Like no one can afford a designer. So then it was like, okay, pivot. (laughs) What are you going to do? Right? Yeah. You know, you've got a mortgage, you've got children. You have to be able to provide for your family. What are you going to do? But at the same time, like my love for design was still very much there. And, you know, I thought like, how can I be tapped into this world that I love so much, but do it in a non-traditional way? How can I do that? And that's when I discovered blogs. I didn't even know what they were. It was like 2011 when I discovered blogs. And I was like, you know, I think I can do this. And I feel I'm not seeing my perspective in this space. So I think I'm going to do it. And that's how I started blogging. You know, it's one of the things that I really appreciate saying that you're an advocate for representation in addition to being a designer. And it's so important. And I was thinking about this. My son came out to us when he was 12 as gay. Mm -hmm. He's 16 now. And I remember at the time, the day that he came out, he was still sitting with it Mm -hmm. and thinking to himself, he wasn't so sure how he felt about it because he said... I want to be a dad. I want to have a family. I want to have a house and I want to be married. And I realized, oh, he's not seeing this yet. Mm -hmm. He's not seeing that 
represented yeah. for him. He may yeah. see other images. Yes. So I'm seeing mm-hmm. the importance of representation. So it's yes. one of the things that I really appreciate that you're doing. And I think that you've said that you called yourself the representation warrior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. <laughs> so of black love, of queer love, home love, design love. Yeah. Tell me about the importance of that representation for you in your platform right. as a person and as a designer. Yes. So I just want to give so, so much love to your son. Number one, I feel like as a parent, you have done such an amazing job because of the fact that he was comfortable enough to come to you and speak his truth and feel like he was going to be accepted. That is so, so major. And for him to realize that at such a young age and for him to be able to grow and be who he is. I literally have chills right now because that is not the story that most of our community has. And it's just, I mean, honestly, just so wonderful. So really thank you for that. And the reason why that's so important for me is because, you know, when you live in a world where you don't see yourself, you feel like you can't be what you want to be. There's really a lot of power in that. In order to feel like you can be something, it's important for you to be able to see that. And I wasn't seeing any images of Black, gay mothers, families, love, number one, portrayed in this very beautiful and positive way, which is the life that I live. And also this layer of like, Black people live in homes as well. We have interests in design as well. And our perspective is very different for very many, many different reasons. The importance of seeing images of people like me and my family, it's massively important. I still, to this day, get people messaging me saying, you know, before I started following you, I had no idea that this was possible. I had no idea that I could see someone who is Black in a healthy, loving relationship with a partner, with children, with a home, who are happy and thriving. Those messages mean so much to me, and they really are a lot of the fuel which drives me to continue to show up every day as myself and to just share that. I remember when I first met my wife and when I was first going through my process of coming out, everything that I saw was not, I just kind of felt like, okay, I could be either Black and gay, but I couldn't necessarily be a mom and be gay and be Black. And if I did, that meant that my family would reject me. I would, there would be just this struggle. And I just kind of felt like I wanted to show that that's not always the story, you know? Yes. And I also really wanted to show my love for design and how important it is to create these spaces because home is about being safe. It's the one place in the world where you can be yourself where you should be surrounded by the people and the things that you love and that love you back. And it should be where you can take off your armor that you have to put on when you walk outside the door. And it's a space where you can be vulnerable and where you can restore. 
And I feel like when you see images of one particular design style or one particular thing that's in or that's popular, you feel like that's what you have to do when that's not the case for everyone. And that is not what makes someone feel safe, that makes someone feel alive and feel welcome and warm. And we've got to start telling different stories and our home is the most important place because that is where you start to learn about yourself. And that is where you can take all of that out into the world. And so our home should be top priority of creating space. A hundred percent. I love that so much. It's so beautiful. It really resonates with me mm-hmm. about having a safe space and a place that we can call our own and a place that when we walk in the door, you know, we feel welcome there. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thinking about the stories of our homes, you have your place now, the Cottage Bungalow, Mm -hmm. which is adorable. And we also need to talk about your kitchen that you just (laughs) renovated at some point in this conversation because it's gorgeous. Thank you. So you live there with your wife and your children and your cute dog. Do you think about the story that you want your home to tell? And what do you think that story is telling? If someone were to walk into your home, Mm -hmm. and maybe if they didn't even really know you, what's the story your space would tell? Oh, I love this question. And I think that if someone were to walk into our home, they would be very curious and they would want to see more. I think that our home tells this story of a space that is very layered, that has a story and you want to sit and you want to dig and you want to find out more and you really want to get to know the people that live here. I think that it tells a story of comfort and beauty, but beyond that, it tells a story of it being a space where everyone can feel welcome. I want everyone to walk into my house and feel like they're being hugged and feel like they want to sit down, you know, and have a cup of tea or a glass of wine, a place where they want to sit down at the table and have a meal and have a conversation 
and a space where they feel safe. I want everyone to feel safe in my home. And I also want people to see things that they wouldn't see everywhere else. I want our home to tell a story of like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I've never seen this before. Or I can't believe you painted your walls black. Like I would never be brave enough to do that, but I love it. Or, oh my gosh, you have burgundy cabinets. I've never seen that before. Like, it's so cool. I just want people to see that you can be daring and be, you know, have a sense of adventure. And that's what I feel like the story of our home tells. Mm, That's beautiful. Thinking about how you just mentioned burgundy cabinets or painting your walls black, you are known for loving color and going bold. (laughs) Is this just a natural thing? Did you one day, you know, just paint a wall just to see what it's like? Or do you just, do you just love color? Tell me your relationship with color and paint and being bold. Yeah. I just have always loved it. There's so much color in this world. You walk outside, there's no black and white. There's greens, blues, oranges, purples, yellows. Like the world is full of so much color. And actually my blog, when I first started it was called A Home Full of Color. That was the name of my blog. Oh, (laughs) Because our first home was literally full of color. We had a black wall, we had a coral ceiling, we had navy walls, we had mint green floors. Our home was literally a crayon box of color. Everywhere you turn, there was a new hue. And I just loved it. I love the vibrancy. It also really speaks to my culture. Like, African-American culture is vibrant. It is full of color and it's full of texture and it's full of beautiful patterns. And it's just the story of our people, really. I have refined it a bit. So when I first started out, I was very into like bright pops of color, which I still do like a bright pop of color. But now I am really drawn into moody, deep, dark, sultry color. That is what I love, and I especially love moody colors in small spaces. You've cultivated a very strong community through Instagram. Yes. People love to ask you questions. You seem to be very involved answering questions. And is this one of the things where people are like, I'm scared to paint my small room? I feel like that is something that trips people up. Oh, they're terrified. Terrified. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you seem to walk people through this. Yeah, I do. People are terrified. I mean, because there has been this perception because it is all you've ever seen and it's all you've ever heard is that when you live in a small space, everything needs to be white because it needs to be bigger, brighter. You need to give the illusion that it's a big space. And I feel like more than anything, one of the most important parts of what I do as a designer and as a content creator and as someone who has a voice in this space is to give people a different relationship with space. Yeah. That's where the root of it is. The root of a lot of this is that people's relationship with space is this idea that when you live in a small space, there are all these restrictions. There's all this, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. So a really big part of my job is to tell people to stop thinking of everything you can't do in a small space and rather think of all the really amazing things you can do, all the advantages, all of the things that you can do in a small space that you can't do in a large space. 
And certainly one of those things is to bring in a lot of color. And a lot of that is just embracing the space for what it is. People want to try to make a space bigger through color. The reality is if you're in 500 square feet, it doesn't matter if your walls are black, blue, orange, yellow, purple, you have 500 square feet. Right. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing that you're going to do that is going to physically make that space bigger. And I think once people kind of have that aha moment, they can turn their mind away from like trying to make this space something that it's not and really embracing it for what it is and sitting with that and living with that. And that's really where the magic starts to happen for people. Where do you find your design inspo? Do you just go off of intuition or is it like through the travel that you've done in your life or books, movies? What feeds you with inspiration? I'm definitely fed by a lot of things. Travel, number one, for sure. I'm also really, really inspired by hospitality design. Like boutique hotels are like my favorite. And as a small space designer and as someone who loves small spaces, boutique hotels are like the perfect space and source for inspiration. I also do love, like I am an OG glossy shelter magazine girl. I still get my subscriptions to um, World of Interiors and House Beautiful, Architectural Digest, El Decor, all of these things. Like I really like the tactile process of being able to open a magazine, see the space, interact with it. So I draw a lot of inspiration from that. I also just draw inspiration from people. I think it's so interesting to see how people live so differently. I'm just really inspired by the world around me. I'm also very inspired by like European design. Again, that dates back to just living in Germany as a child. And you also do a lot of the home projects and renovations yourself. You are a DIY person, would you say? Um, I'm handy, yes. Yeah. I have gotten out of doing so many DIY heavy projects. I'm at the point now where like I literally do not have time. So now I hire things out, but I still do like to get my hands dirty. I like to be a part of the process. You know, it takes a strong will and patience to work with your hands or to even just live through a renovation in your space. Because right? So Mm -hmm. you guys just renovated your kitchen. Yes. It's so pretty. Thank you. I'm so proud of it. Thank you. Uh, Tell me what you're proud of. Tell me what you love about it. Give us a little description. So the thing that I'm most proud of about this space is how we feel in it. Home and design in particular is about a feeling. It is about the way that people feel when they're in it, how they use it and their response to it, their physical response to the space. And it feels really good to me. This kitchen was a homage to my grandmother. She is who inspired the design of this space. So my grandmother was one of the most important people in my life. And we grew up in rural Louisiana, very, very small town, very small kitchen. And my grandmother taught me how to cook taught me my love of gardening. She grew a lot of what we ate. And so I have grown up loving to fish and to garden and to learn like the process of like how we get our food. And my grandma had a really small kitchen and we had a dining table in the middle of our kitchen. This dining table is really where I learned about family and love. It was like the place where I felt the most loved. When we first moved into this house, you know, the kitchen 
it was a good sized kitchen, especially considering the age of the home and the size of the home. But we had a very small like dining zone. I wouldn't even call it room. It was just a very small room. And I always said, you know, if we ever get a chance to renovate our kitchen, I want to put our dining table right in the middle. I want it to be like my grandma's house. And I literally designed the entire kitchen around having our dining table in the middle of the kitchen because of my grandmother's kitchen and the way that I learned what a kitchen should be. Like I didn't grow up in a big kitchen with an island and with, you know, all of these bells and whistles. Like mid-renovation, my grandmother passed away. So the kitchen means even more to me now that it's done because I was really able to capture the essence and the look and the feel of her and her kitchen, the kitchen that I grew up in, in our home. And that's what makes it so special to me and why I love it so much. I mean, just beyond the fact that the finishes are really beautiful and we were really intentional about every decision and how everything came together. I'm just really proud that I can feel her when I'm in this space. That's what I was just going to ask you, if you felt her energy around you when you're there. Yeah. I love that you put your dining table in your kitchen. Yeah. It sounds so warm mm-hmm. and so familial. Yes. Is that something that you saw also when you were living in Germany? Yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah, it's very European. It's a very, very European sensibility. A lot of European kitchens have their dining table in the middle of their kitchen. Their dining table doubles as another work surface. And for me, that's really important in a small space. Again, going back to my grandmother's kitchen, we shelled peas, shucked corn, chopped onions. Everything was done on the kitchen table. It was a solid workspace. And through time, the kitchen gathered a lot of dents and nicks and marks and just all of that from what we were doing and how we used it. And that just added to the beauty and the story of it. But yeah, having the dining table in the kitchen is a very European thing. Also helped us really maximize our space. And, you know, it's a very functional part of the kitchen as well. Even though we did not add a single inch of space to our home during the renovation, we didn't add anything to it. We like doubled our workspace in here and we were able to get a really big table in here that can extend out. We can seat 10 people to it. So now if we're entertaining, we can pull it out into kind of more like the living area and really get quite a few people to gather at the table. And I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially when we're all starting to welcome more and more people into our homes after not for so long. Yeah. You were there when you were renovating your kitchen, is that right? Yes, we lived through it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've done <laughs> I've done the same. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not. No. So what did you do? What did you do? Or where did you eat? How did you eat? Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, plastic like dishes in the tub, thankfully. <laughs> and this is the other thing, you know, we live in a small home. We have one bathroom mm. in the house. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, <laughs> You know, our bathroom has a separate tub and shower. So we were able to just use the tub for all of our dishes and all of our washing and kitchen things Mm -hmm. in the space that was the dining room. We have uh, an original like built in hutch. So we were able to kind of use that space as a temporary kitchen setup. And the old kitchen also had an like a freestanding island. So we brought that in there. We had a mini fridge. Mm -hmm. So we just set up like a little kitchen there. Um, it was very interesting. You know, it's one thing when you're renovating and you have a large house. It's another thing when you're renovating and you live in a small house because literally every single inch 
counts. It was a challenge. We ate all over the house at that point. We ate in the living room. Yeah. We ate it. You know, we <laughs> ate in the temporary kitchen. Thankfully, my sister lives around the corner, so we would go and eat at her house sometimes when we were just like, I just cannot be in this house for another second. So yeah, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, for sure. It is not. Yeah. <laughs> no. So when you are home, mm-hmm. in addition to now being in your beautiful kitchen, what lights you up when you're at home? Oh, man. I'd say just my family. My family lights me up. Honestly, my community, just sharing our life. I'm also one of those people that like, I'm not done with one project before I'm starting another one. It's absolute chaos. Mm. (laughs) And I thrive in that because I just have so many ideas and so many things that I love and I'm passionate about. This vision that I had for our home whenever we first bought it, we bought it as a fixer upper. It was not in good shape when we bought it. So just this constant inspiration of like making this little home the absolute best it can be, that really lights me up as well. And as you've designed your home and as you continue to design your home, do you have any non-negotiables in your space? And do they coincide with your wife's non-negotiables? Absolutely not. So the whole house does not coincide. So this house is a two bedroom, one bath. And my wife's non-negotiable was we have to have three bedrooms and we have to have two bathrooms. Oh, no. I mean, we're starting out already with just, I don't know how we're making it, but we are. So this was a non-negotiable. Yes. So I think as we are going through the process, for me, the non-negotiable is I do not want our home to be any more than about 1,500 square feet. We are planning a primary bedroom extension where we will be adding a second bathroom because I agree with her. We probably should have two toilets in the house at this point. So we want to extend our primary bedroom and add a bathroom, a closet. So my non-negotiable is I don't want to be any larger than 1,500 square feet. So that's another challenge. We're at 1,200 square feet now. So we've got to be able to get in a bathroom and a closet and kind of change the layout of the bedroom and only add 300 square feet to the house. Yeah, (laughs) that's a non-negotiable for me. I love that you're committed to keeping it a certain size. Yeah, when we downsized into this house, it was very intentionally And as we've lived in this space, I just love it so much. I love living in small homes and I really don't want to live in a big house. This is a cottage bungalow and the name in and of itself is very cozy and small. So I just really want to honor the house in that way. Yeah. You know, they say that small homes breed close families and it's very true. The physical space behind it we are in each other's space, but it also creates a sense of respect and understanding of people, understanding people's space and being respectful of space and being respectful and understanding that we all have to share this small space. And it's very, very sweet. You know, we definitely see them more now that we live in a small space and we love it. We love it. And we ask our kids often, like, do you wish you lived in a bigger house? Do you want to have a bigger house? And and our son, especially, interestingly enough, our 14-year-old is like, no, like, I love our little house. It's my favorite. I love that. So what do you hold as the most valuable in your home? Oh, material things. Okay. I inherited 
some of my grandmother's cast iron cookware, her pots, and particularly this really big Dutch oven that she cooked her fish in, her fish frying Dutch oven that I've been looking at since I was a very, very little girl. Um, And all of my family knew that was the one thing that my grandmother wanted me to have. So um, I have that. It's very treasured to me. It's one of the things that I would grab if there was a fire and like we had to get out. I'm not leaving that behind, even though it probably survived the fire because it's cast iron. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, my grandmother's skillets. And then I also have these really cool vintage hand carved monkeys, like hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. They're very special. I found them like at an antiques fair and everyone asks about them. They're like, Number one thing that people want to, oh my God, where'd you get those? So those are really special to me. My copper pot collection as well. I just, I really love my copper pots. It's basically like kitchen stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It's basically like the things that I cook with. That makes sense. Cooking is love. I have seen your copper pot collection. It is a beautiful collection. Thank you. It's growing and I love it and I love them and... Yeah, they also really influence the design of the space as well. So It sounds like there's a lot of heart and love going on in your home, Shavonda. Thank you. I really try. It's the one thing that I want people to see and feel and really understand, especially through my content creation, because there's a lot of very beautiful spaces in the world and a lot of beautiful spaces that people share. But I want people to look at my spaces And see not only that they're beautiful, but feel that there's love in them. And that's the number one most important thing for me. So beautiful. I have one more question for you as we're rounding out this conversation. Yeah. I would love to know, what does being home mean to you? Being home to me means being safe, being seen, and being loved. I love all those things. (laughs) Yeah. Who doesn't want those things? It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, Shavonda, I so appreciate you talking with me today. This has been so lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, this was wonderful. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so happy. And I think you are putting beauty out in the world and also being able to talk to you and hearing even more about your intention Mm -hmm. of design and where you're coming from and creating beautiful spaces that are not just about what we see. It's about what we feel. Yes. I love that you're putting that in the world. So thank you so much for talking today. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Absolutely. To learn more about Shavonda, find her on Instagram at SG Gardner Style, where you can see images of her and her family and her home, including that gorgeous kitchen we talked about. Or check out her website, SG Style, where you can discover more about her latest projects. Be sure to visit our show notes for direct links to where you can discover everything that's going on with Shavonda Gardner. You've been listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman, executive produced by Eve Epstein. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio, theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer, Maury Men, and director of audience development, Gina Goff. 
Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive. 